0: Hope FM Faith-Filled Radio.
1: Well, my first guest is David Pickard, and uh, he has a, a marvelous story to tell about his work with OMF, the Overseas Missionary Fellowship. But David, let me first ask you: How did the whole faith journey begin for you? Because you didn't come from a from necessarily a Christian family, did you?
0: No, my my parents were not Christian, although they were not anti; they were certainly not pro and not Christian. But I had a good friend at uh, secondary school, a grammar school, who was a Christian. And uh, well, when Billy Graham came in 1954, I think it was, uh, Doug went round the whole class asking folk to come. And finally, I watched as he, everybody said no. And I said, OK, I'll come really to keep him company, um, not out of conviction. But here's the, here's the thing. Um, it was the last meeting at Wembley Stadium of the extended meetings of Billy Graham, so Wembley Stadium was an attraction to me because of of the the football as interest, it was, as it was to many <laughs> yeah. at the time. <laughs> but it was it was an amazing occasion because it was pouring with rain. We were all in the open. Billy Graham stood on a, a platform in on the grass under an umbrella in a Mackintosh, and he preached the gospel. And I heard God saying. To me, I'm talking about you. So, when it came to the appeal, unemotional, you couldn't get any emotion in in pouring rain. I said to Doug, Doug, I want to go and give my life to Jesus. Will you come with me? And he said, No. Which rather surprised me. Since he'd taken you. (laughs) He had, exactly. He had taken me, and I, I thought that's what he was there to do. Anyway, I learned subsequently why. And and here's here's the thing that has been a big lesson to me. And and I'll tell you the lesson in a minute. But I found out later that uh, Doug was also searching for God's will for his life. And so he was feeling God's call into the ministry. And so he had said to the Lord that night, Lord, if you want me into the ministry, then you save David tonight as a kind of confirmation. So he got his answer. So he he wouldn't come with me because he was kneeling down to give his life in dedication to the Lord. And he went into the ministry. He married my wife and I, and we're still
1: very good friends what a fantastic story of course it's interesting isn't it looking back because at the time when you mentioned it there about the whole emotion of the big evangelistic events and I know Billy Graham received a lot of criticism at the time because of the emotion of mm. of the choir singing and people saying but here, I here you are, many many years later, and in fact, my next guest also, both of course, who have a longevity of 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 ministry and work and making tremendous impact. And of course, you could be replicated hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. times. Isn't it isn't it amazing how God works?
0: Fantastic. The the big lesson for me, Blair, was not just that God, in His sovereignty, had 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 rescued me and saved me, but that my actions had implications for others. And and that's been one of the lessons through life. Whatever's happening in my life may, by God's grace, have some impact in the life of another. And that's been a kind of guidance for me all the way through life. I tell you, the the, the, the pinnacle, in if, if you like, was when I was appointed as general director. Sue and I had uh, four weeks in the United States before we took up the office. And we got a phone call from Billy Graham's secretary. Would we like to come and have tea with him in his retreat up in Montreat? And so we had two hours with, with Billy and his wife. And it was, in fact, a most wonderful moment just to say thank you.
1: And a memorable moment that you've, not, you've never forgotten. <laughs> not really. So how, no. how old were you then when you went forward? Uh, I would have been 16. Well, your whole life in front of you. Did you at that time have any idea about what the future might hold
0: for you? No, not at all. In fact, I have to say that there came a period when I kind of drifted a little bit, quite a bit.
1: Which is quite common, isn't
0: it? Indeed it is. I, I never stopped believing God, but somehow the reality of the Lord, somehow the reality of his presence and shaping my life kind of faded away. Um, so after, after student days, I was uh, in management, and my career was really going very well um, But my inner life was going emptier and emptier. And I can remember I shared a flat with three other single men uh, and going back to my room one night and just kneeling down by the side of my bed and just giving everything to God. I said, you're the only one that can make sense of my life and I will do whatever you ask me to do and I will follow wherever you ask me to go. And it was a, a very, very profound moment. And from that from that moment on, I did two things. I really started to read the Bible. And I don't know what you would say, Blair, was a good book to start with, but I picked up the book of Romans. And for the for the next few weeks... There's therefore now no <laughs> condemnation. Well, not only that, I discovered, <laughs> I discovered how amazingly active God is in, in the life of his people. And that kind of went where I, I was going. and I had a love for the Bible, which I still do. But it was a a, a reviving moment. It was a rededication moment. And from that moment on, I was looking, where did you want us to be, Lord? You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk.
1: And David Pickard is my special guest today, former international director of the Overseas Missionary Fellowship, although often referred to as OMF. So, David, we we left you there. You were, you'd gone forward with Billy Graham, and uh, you'd gone through the sort of trauma of finding, you know, what what being a Christian meant. And then romance was to blossom. How did that happen? (laughs) Well,
0: well. Kind of uh, romantic novel stuff, really, because I was uh, a patient in St Mary's Hospital, Paddington, uh, for a, the first of what have turned out to have been about six or seven knee in, knee repla- injuries and replacements. But I was in for the first time, and the most amazing, uh, wonderful medical student came to uh, to take my notes, and it was Sue. Uh, we'd been to the same school, same grammar school. I was older than she was by about three years. So there were some connections there. And she knew my brother, my younger brother, slightly better than than me. But that's how it started. Medical student, patient, uh, a wonderful romance. But the, the, the critical thing, Blair, is that uh, she too had just come to a place of rededication to the Lord. And together, right from the start, we had an absolutely indivisible commitment to serve the Lord wherever he would lead us, wherever that was, in whatever kind uh, of ministry, whether we stayed with our professions or whether we were to stay in England or whether, looking at the world and its needs, we, the Lord would allow us to go overseas. So right from the start, even before... We got close, that was a settled issue for us
1: but of course it 's amazing isn 't it? How God knows exactly who to bring together. You know <laughs> yeah. I guess that maybe a lot of us lack patience you know we, uh, that uh, you know we we just don 't want to be left you know on the shelf as it were and uh, but if we just won 't just wait it you know, then maybe we could save <laughs> ourselves a lot of pain so uh, there you both were, rededicated to your lives when When did it become clear? That God was calling you both to, to mission.
0: Yes, well, that's that's a yeah. Uh, the fact is, as a medical student, she still had to qualify. Yeah, and so which we is were, a long a long period. <laughs> is it is
1: it five or six years?
0: Yes, it, it's five or six years. And uh, we were married in nineteen sixty five, and she still had a year to go. Uh, but at that point, we were still searching. Where was God leading? We were praying. We were getting information praying about people in Asia, thinking widely. But gradually the Lord be- began to make it clear to us that Asia was the place where he wanted us to be. Um, it's very interesting because you mentioned earlier on when we were chatting the n- the need for uh, perhaps missionaries to come to this country. And it was through an Asian brother uh, who we got to know very well, but at an OMF conference, uh, he was preaching. He, I can tell you what he preached on, Romans, and he preached on, I am a debtor. I am a debtor. I'm under obligation. And at that event, God spoke to both my wife and to myself that I'm talking about Asia for you. And that became a very clear next step. So Bible Bible college and into application
1: papers for OMF. Hmm. 1970, we sailed for Did- flu. Did you know that that OMF or Overseas Missionary Fellowship was was the the mission for you? Well, we we did when we were courting. We we we, we read together
0: the life of Hudson Taylor and felt he was a he was a man. He was an organization whose values and principles were absolutely in line with ours, um, and so the attraction was to to that organized to OMF. Asia because it was hugely unevangelized and in particular the country of Thailand where we where we went very very un unreached unevangelized with a very very small church and in a sense that 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 proved to be a huge motivation how could we how could we serve in the UK when there are so many people who've never even heard the name of Jesus who've never heard uh, that that God loves the world. Never heard the way of salvation, forgiveness, new life, and all the things that you long to share. Um, and,
1: and of course, it would have been a very different UK
0: at that time, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it, I think it was. Um, I mean, for me, for me, we had the blessings of two great pulpit men, John Stott and Martin Lloyd Jones, and that's they that they were the ones to nourish and and fire us up. Apart from and in addition to our local church. But the, the challenge of where to invest my life, where did God want us to be, what could we do through or what could God do through us for the kingdom of God in reaching people for Jesus. And, and it, it all pointed very very clearly to, to Asia and, and to OMF and therefore to OMF with our medical and, and managerial background to at least start in the hospital in central Thailand, which is where we began.
1: And of course, you've already said that the preparation for that was 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 very very good. You know, so you had your Bible uh, uh, college pre- preparation, but and the medical preparation, of course, <laughs> for Sue uh, and your management preparation, all of that was was in place. Did you do cultural training and so on when you knew that Thailand was going to be the country that you would start? I did we did two things
0: one is that um we did some language study at the School of Oriental and African Studies we got into a course on learning Thai and Thai Thai people Thai culture and Thai background so that was really helpful we did a term uh, rather uh, an academic year at SOAS but also I'd never run a hospital before and I, I simply wrote to one one hospital in Highgate, the Whittington, and said, look, this is what's happening. Could I come and learn from you? And they were amazing. They just said, yes, sure, come along. And for for six weeks I just shadowed their, their hospital management team, which was an amazing opening from the Lord because I don't think that was anything normal or structured or, or organized in the normal course of events. So God was definitely preparing the way and and leading the way. It uh, wasn't that easy, by the way. We, we had alternative offers. Uh, and that was a challenge because we were asked we, by some very godly people, we think you'd be good for this particular role here in the UK. Uh, and we had to work that through. Was it UK or was it really to be Asia? And God really Took us through, confirmed, and that was really important. Uh, I, I'll tell you something, Blair. When we arrived in in, in Bangkok Airport, 1970, Sue and I um, and a four month baby, and you can't believe this, but I was wearing a three piece suit. Um, I suppose I felt rather British, and as we got exactly what I was, uh, but as we as we came off the plane. Uh, And I stood at the top of the flight coming out of the plane down onto the tarmac. I had two most amazing experiences. One was the incredible heat, as if I'd walked into a fire. But the other was an amazing sense of God bringing us here with the amazing privilege, really, of sharing Christ with the people of East Asia. And that's never left me, never ever, to be able to share Jesus
1: with people. Hope FM, faith filled radio. Today, my very special guest is, is David uh, David Pickard. He was the former international director uh, with Overseas Missionary Fellowship. And I left him just setting out with his wife uh, and a young, I think, your first child, yes. babe in arms. <laughs> and you just arrived and discovered in your three piece suit the searing heat of Thailand. <laughs> Now, of course, you were you were going, you'd been prepared to go with it to run a hospital work there. What was it like, you, 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 those that, that, that early days?
0: Yeah, thank you for asking, Blair. I must, I must tell you that Thailand in 1970 was a very different country to the idyllic backpacker's paradise that it's become. Um, it was very, very basic. Now, the hospital had been in existence for some time. We weren't newcomers setting it up. But we 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 joined again. Strangely enough, our entrance into the hospital was the year of the massive flood, when when central Thailand was was flooded as the Jiao Pial River overflowed its banks. So our our entrance was was to get into a Thai boat two kilometers away from the hospital, and be paddled across uh, across the the water into to the hospital, and I. To be honest, there we were, Sue, me, a four-month baby and our brand-new suitcases in a tiny Thai boat being paddled by the Thai. And I thought, actually, martyrdom has come rather quickly because we're not going to make it. But we arrived, and to be honest, it was a, a, a joy to be there and to see how this hospital was, was serving the people uh, and, and serving people well. Uh, and to be honest, it was, it was a challenge. Um, for all sorts of reasons. One was the the sheer volume of people coming uh, for medical care and how to turn that into the witness to the gospel that we we longed for. So there were services going on in the hospital, but also organizing teams to go out to visit patients, follow up with patients. So, So that was our introduction. But Thailand, there were hard to believe today, no mobile phones, no phones. There were no phones. We did it all by the telegrams. It all got muddled up. Um, the water, uh, you you relied often. In a hospital, we were okay, but outside, you had to store your water in great jars, uh, stone jars. Uh, electricity was, was on, off, on, off. Um, trails were often tarmac for a bit, and and then petered out into sand and and dust. Um, but it was also a quite a violent country for all sorts of reasons. Uh, in, in fact, over the, over the years, OMF has seen t- uh, twenty four of our missionaries killed, murdered, or shot, or in road accidents. Perhaps the, the most profound in my memory was uh, was. The loss of twelve uh, of our team, five adults and seven children in a in a horrendous road accident, um, which was actually the first funeral I have ever taken in my life because I was then the field leader, uh, and we had to deal with with not only the loss of uh, of people but two surgeons uh, were killed that day, two complete families, husband, wife, and children. Were, were wiped out in that road accident. So it was a very profound moment and illustrative uh, of, for all of us, the cost in those days of of committing your life to Jesus, to serving in places that were unpredictable and, and sometimes
1: quite unsafe. And of course, very often when that tragedy happens in, in our lives, it comes and Many, many different ways to many of us, doesn't it? And 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 sometimes very often unexpectedly. But yet, it's quite remarkable how God can even use those those tragedies. Mm. Um, what was that the case?
0: Yes, it, yes, it was in 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 various ways. It, strangely enough, we had just called for uh, a prayer right across the mission, a prayer for Thailand for breakthrough in in evangelism and church planting that church was so small uh, there was also a national campaign called Towards New Life that was going to take place and then came this this terrible tragedy uh, and yet out of that came, came some remarkable turning points not least a number of Thai doctors uh, who uh, hearing that news set themselves to come and serve in the hospital um, so out of that came some, some uh, very wonderful results. I think perhaps one of the most common, uh, interesting comments was made by the wife of the British ambassador a year later who was at a dinner party with, with some friends of one of the relatives whose family had been killed. And at this dinner party, she simply said, I was in a funeral in Bangkok a year ago. Uh, I often go to funerals, but I have never been to one where I have felt something of the solemnity, the faith, the love, and the commitment of the people who were there. And I think that spoke very deeply of what God was
1: doing through, through that tragedy. Now, of course, uh, over the years, the... the um the work was to change and to develop, and so on, and you would have been winning the confidence of people who you were seeking to share the gospel with what 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 was the change in, in spiritual temperature? I guess pretty hard to start off with and
0: yes it, it, yes, it was um, I think initially there were there were two things really: one was the demonstration of love and compassion that went alongside the the, the sharing of the gospel and Although Central Thailand, where the hospital was, had a very, very small church. Uh, In fact, when we started in 1952, there were were no Christians at all. Uh, And yet the first to believe were among the leprosy patients and part of our leprosy program. And it was very interesting to me to see how God worked powerfully among people who are on the margins, who are on the the fringes, uh, rejects really in society, in a society that f- looked down on people who suffered such disfigurement uh, so here was here was the Lord saying, "I'm breaking through, but with the weak and the foolish, not the not the proud and the strong and and it was seen also as not only a loving caring uh commitment by a community of believers, but also alongside that it was still seen to be rather foreign, and so people would say yes all is good it's all yes Jesus is good uh, but it's for foreigners and uh, Buddha is good and they're brothers and, and there was a kind of asbestos uh, of, of resistance that kind of put the fire out and there were battles spiritual battles and there were, were inevitably the hard push of sharing the gospel and seeing very little fruit to begin with but But as faith believers, we know that the Lord Jesus said, I will build my church and it will happen and I will do it and nothing will stop its advance. And Thailand wasn't the only country. I mean, Sue and I eventually were in Singapore. We traveled around Asia. We saw what God was doing in other countries. There were amazing uh, places where God was working powerfully. Um, whilst, Whilst we were in Thailand... Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos all fell. And, do you know, there were more Christians in refugee camps in Thailand from Cambodia. There were more Cambodian believers in those refugee camps than there had been in the history of, of the Cambodian church. So there, there are amazing things, how God works, whether it's a road accident, whether it's, whether it's war, whether it's refugees, God continues to build his church, and he has all sorts of ways of doing that. You know, it, it kind of raises in my mind how God disturbs and works through events to disturb us out of our comfort, out of our predictability, and in those situations can speak more powerfully. I wonder if that's got something to say to us in our contemporary uh, moments and events going on in our country,
1: of course, some people would get maybe distressed because I mean the U- United Kingdom has changed. We were a nation who would send many missionaries like yourself all over the world uh and to what was of course the the empire and Now, of course, we find ourselves almost in a in a post christian era uh, some people would say that the church in terms of the united kingdom is is a dying institution now of course, not that we believe that for for one moment, right. but I guess that that we probably need some of those people from those other countries where God is working so powerfully to come our way and teach us a thing or two. I,
0: I think that's absolutely true. I think uh, my my prayer burden has always been for a reviving of the sending church. That's a church here in the UK, and He has many ways of doing that, not least if we're prepared to listen and to listen carefully to what others may be saying to us. I think part of our problem is is that we're not great listeners. Um, God could send – I think I said to you, Blair, that Sue and I, our call to Asia came through an Asian colleague who came and preached here in the U.K., Uh, And that touched us. So in my heart, there's always been the possibility, as God sends in lots of internationals, uh, that in and among those will be people who will touch our hearts and bring something of the vitality and the power and the expectation of what it is to follow Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength.
1: That's my prayer. And and also, of course, on the back of that, a reminder that God is never off His throne; He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And obviously, you've experienced the sovereignty working in in Asian countries and so on. And I guess that that our prayer, our joint prayer, is that God, please come and do it here in our country, so that we can continue to support in the worldwide yeah. fellowship of of the church. Absolutely right. Absolutely right.
0: And bear in mind what God is doing on an international scale is is mixing up the nations. He's working across nations, across borders, across boundaries. Do you know, we have we have some of our colleagues teaching African pastors how to reach Chinese in Africa because there are so many Chinese in in Africa through the 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 programs that the Chinese are investing in in, in Africa, that the pa- African pastors are saying, well, how can we reach Chinese? You in Asia, you OMF, you know how to help us. Will you come and train our pastors how to reach Chinese? Now, isn't that a picture of God working right across the borders, right across the nationalities?
1: Doesn't know any race or boundary? No, not at all. <laughs>
0: For more inspirational interviews, podcasts
1: and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.